Your goal is to create happy customers who then create other happy customers. Go! Congratulations! Here's what I've learned. The best of the best have got the following. selling, going, going. God, so congratulations. Let's have a look at the facts. Watch your goal for the next six months. We are now going live on Facebook. We are now going live on Instagram. And we are going live on YouTube. This gentleman here. Sometimes I do, depending how I feel. So, Louis, what a great day. Because you're one of the few people I know that doesn't care about saying the right thing versus the popular thing and you're happy to uh, leave people pissed off with the truth, you know? Why would I? And that's why you're here. <laughs> you know, we hardly ever, we hardly... Susan, who's the only time we've ever had a Sunday night around? Gavin Rubenstein that day because we had that event on. So this is... So, Louis, we've been doing this three years. You're yeah. the second time. But I wanted to have this conversation. By the way, guys and girls, press the share button. This is going to be a four-year university degree in 27 minutes, right? And this, and this guy here, all he does is look at charts, looks at data. We're going to comment on the federal election and the negative gearing policy by the government. What are the implications? We're going to talk about... Auction results and are they flawed? Are they bullshit? We're going to talk about what happened in the marketplace in 2018. We'll do around the grounds. We're going to talk about what your predictions are, what potentially might end up happening. But Louis, how long have you been in data? How long have you been working oh, in data? Geez. It's S SQM. Well, well yes, SQM. What's SQM stand for? Well, it's the abbreviation for square meter. So you, how did you come up with the name? You just I just came up with it one day. Yes, you have a few drinks. Okay. <laughs> you enjoyed me? Oh, look, not too many nowadays. Right. So, so I keep it pretty light. I have to. Got to watch this. You play soccer, don't you? Uh, look, not as much as what I used to, but uh, this season I was the soccer manager for my daughter's team. So both my daughters play. Uh, so they play for Thornley Thunder. Anyone who knows Thornley Thunder, I'm sure a few of you out there do. And my eldest plays for PLC. Uh, so, uh, and they, they both love it. PLC, they play against my daughters. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, Louis, let's talk, you know, uh, um, let, 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 let's, let's go straight into it. And yeah. the reason I want to go into this is yeah. I had a real estate agent. Get ready for this, guys and girls. I had a real estate agent tell me he went to the bank, got a line of credit for $450,000 against his home. His home's worth about one5 and he threw the money into the general account because he's panicking, Louis. He's panicking. He's not going to have enough money to get him through December. January, February, March. How bad has real estate been in 2018? Yeah, well, he wouldn't be the only one in terms of real estate. So in Sydney, uh, sales are down between 30 to 35% year on year. That's a whopping drop. That's massive. So yeah. that's why if you're on a, a salary of $150,000, someone has just come along and said, we're taking 50 off you this year. It's yeah. as simple as yeah, that. Yeah, and as you know, I mean, agents are largely uh, earn their income off commissions. Yeah. So it's a big hit. Yeah. Okay. Um, Louis, you said to me off camera, the other data that's interesting is new car sales yeah. are down dramatically. Yeah, new car sales have fallen right away in Australia. Uh, and it's not just new car sales now, it's starting to feed through into construction as well. So the housing downturn in Sydney and Melbourne 
uh, he's, is having an impact upon the economy. Fortunately, we're not in a recession uh, and keeping everything else equal, we're unlikely to go into a recession. Uh, but that's the question, will everything else stay equal? And uh, there's some question marks in terms of the future events that may well unfold. Okay. Around the grounds, yeah. tell me, around Australia, how shit was real estate? Go, let's talk about the bad ones, the good ones. Yeah, well, look, I mean, all markets have been affected one way or the other by basically what's been going on, which is a chokehold on credit, and it's affected all housing markets. A chokehold on credit? Yeah. They've just suffocated money? Yeah, basically, APRA yeah. and the Reserve Bank of Australia have been wishing to create a deleveraging event in the market, particularly for Sydney and Melbourne, and they've succeeded, they've managed to do it. And how have they done that? They set down specific rules to the banks which uh, contracted investment lending. So firstly, the target was property investors. And this actually started back in 2015, and they've just been slowly but surely ratcheting up. And the final straw that broke the camel's back actually came last year, when they had a crackdown on interest-only lending. At the time, Interest-only lending actually represented 40% of all new home loans written. Now, that number's effectively dropped down to about 25%, so it's been a big drop back in interest-only lending. And as you might be aware, lots of investors take out that interest-only oh, so, lending. So I do. You do, right. I, I, I take interest because yeah. for me, Louis, it yeah. basically says that I have to pay less repayments yeah. each month which yeah. means that I have better cash flow and I can yeah. potentially even buy more real estate. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the banks didn't like that. They didn't like that. And what they also did is that the multiple, the income multiple uh, that you're allowed to lend on, uh, at one point in time, that used to be up to eight and a half to nine times your overall household income. That's effectively been scaled back now down to about five and a half times income. Now think of the purchasing power that's meant for borrowers that they the average borrower's purchasing power is dramatically reduced out there. Most uh, most home buyers are borrowers; they take out a loan. So, so, so that's a, so, and this is what agents are saying to me, Louis. Yeah. They're saying that they've got buyers yeah. that basically say, "I cannot buy that property yeah. at that price anymore." That's right. That's that's exactly right. And then on top of that, and I've experienced this firsthand because recently I went for a loan top up for a rental on our house. Right. The, the, amount, the application time so you can actually process a loan has really stretched out. For a major, it's now pretty much over four weeks. Okay? Now think about the average auction period time. How long is it when, from the time it's first advertised to the actual auction event? Well, it's, it's about four weeks. Right. Okay, so how many, how, what does that mean for buyers out there who are right on the line those last few days and looking to buy that auction, but they haven't got the money over the line. So essentially, if you're not seeing the property up for auction right at the start <laughs> yeah. of the campaign yeah. and going to a bank, yeah. you're going to run out of time. You're going to run out of time, for sure. Okay, so, so, so Louis, um, we've seen the choking you used. A, what was the word you used? I like that word. Chokehold on credit. Chokehold yeah. on credit, yeah. right? Um, and it's been um, it's been like Chinese water torture slowly. It's been slowly happening right. since 2005. 2015. 2015, sorry. Yeah. And then what's happened, Louis, is all of a sudden 2018 is the year where real estate agents started saying there's no buyers. Yeah. They're not coming to the opens yeah. or they're being picky or there's no urgency. Yeah. So um, um, what has the impact been? You've, you've said that 
volumes have been down by about a third. Yeah, that's right. And of course, prices have fallen. I'm pretty sure all your audience is well aware of that. Yeah, Sydney and Melbourne. Sydney and Melbourne's been. Yeah, so in Sydney, from peak to trough, we're now off by about eight and a half to nine percent. Yeah, Melbourne's off by about six percent peak to trough. And we think that we're not we're not done with this yet. It's still falling as we speak, and likely to fall. What's the worst market in Australia? Well, it's actually Darwin. So Darwin's been pretty much crap. Darwin's doing yeah. worse than Sydney. Yeah, believe it or not, it's doing worse than Sydney. So the rental markets pretty much collapsed for the last three years. Now rents are actually off by about thirty-five percent in Darwin. Dwelling prices are off by about twenty-five percent. Darwin's a weird place, Louis. Every yeah. person I meet from Darwin's got some sort of history. Like right. you, you end up buying. What type of history is that? They, they, they just they, they, they run away from somewhere yeah. and you just say, "What are you doing?" They said, "Oh, I was I was in Queensland, yeah. or I was in fucking jail, or yeah. I was this," <laughs> and they end up end up in in Darwin. Yeah. Um, Louis, so so Darwin's the Darwin's the the, the, the worst. Yeah. We've got volumes that have gone down. Yeah. Now, Louis, you've made a comment there that's really interesting, and that is that you're saying it's going to get worse before it gets better, or more or less. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think 2019 is going to be another bad year. I mean, we got to look at the reasons why the Reserve Bank and 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 APRA stepped into the market. And the thing was that the market was getting a little bit overheated. The market was getting pretty thropping, and particularly here in Sydney's in the West, yeah. things were getting very, very booming, right? So, uh, so out, of, out of all of Sydney, yeah. which part of Sydney has been smashed the most? Well, it's actually been two main regions. It's actually been Sydney's Hills District, which has been hit on the rental market and the full sale market. So we're recording rental vacancy rates in a number of areas in the Hills District of in excess of 7%. That's on the rental side. And then on the full sale side, we think the market's come off by about 15% there. So we're talking Balkan Hills, Castle Hills, Rouse Hill, Rouse Hills. Hills. That's what, Susan, that's yeah. where uh, Hillsong Church, isn't it? Not that you'd know. Yeah, yeah, Hillsong, it's Hillsong, Hillsong yeah, Church. Another, another one, yeah. Okay, so it's, and, that, that and, area there's been hit. And that's one region. The other region's here in the inner west, right? So, inner west. Well, yeah. I, I, can, I mean, I auction here, yeah. and I know. And I think, it, I think, Louis, it's more like 10 to 15%. Well, well, APM, on their last quarterly report for the September quarter, recorded uh, the inner west down 5% just for the quarter. Right. So that's a big fall in one quarter. Three months? Yeah. And we're looking, we're tracking the asking prices and the sales, and I can see now vendors are adjusting real quick here in the inner west. Right. Yeah. Um, Louis, um, let's talk about this. I mean, have you got a view? There's an election next year in March. Yeah. Okay. Maybe um, May. I think maybe May. I'm um, sorry, maybe May. Yeah. Okay. Your view, if the Bill Shorten government gets in... Yeah. Um, they have a so so we're all clear for all our viewers. What is the policy? What is the policy if federal, if, if if Labor gets in on on negative gearing? Okay, so they want to make some uh, significant taxation changes. One is on negative gearing. Uh, the other is on CGT capital gains tax. So they want to reduce the concession, and they actually want to reduce imputation dividend credits. We won't talk about that tonight. Let's talk about negative gearing and CGT. So on the negative gearing front, they want to repeal negative gearing. They will have existing properties called, uh, they will grandfather existing properties. In other words, what that means is that if you are already an investor, you already own an existing negative geared property, you still keep to keep the, the tax concession, no problem. After D-Day, after they incorporate this change, if you buy an existing property, you will no longer get the tax concession. 
Right. Okay. So the D-Day won't necessarily be, let's assume we wake up and Labor has won the election. Yeah. The D-Day won't necessarily be the day of the election. No way. No. Right. So they actually got to pass this through Parliament first up. And I think how it's going to play out is we'll have the election in May. Yeah. Labor will then call a mini budget, most likely in August. Yeah. Then they'll probably announce it, right, they're doing it and they'll give a date for it. And I believe what they'll do is I'll allow the ATO some time to incorporate what is a massive change. And so I suspect what it will mean is it'll actually come in 1 July 2020. That's my bet. Who knows? Okay. But so, I, I, I don't, it definitely won't come in on the day after the election. That's okay, so Louis, does that suggest yeah. to me that if you're an investor, there might be a surge of activity of people buying yeah. to get the grandfather rule yeah. in their way? There could be. Right. But I think many investors, particularly savvy investors, will look post that time and, and consider what the market may will do after that time. Let's consider the reason why they are doing this, what latest stated reasons for doing this. They want to lower house prices. And sure enough, this type of policy would actually... So that, that's the primary... The, the primary focus of the yeah. Labor government yeah. is that they want to lower the price of housing in Australia. Yes, they do. That's right. They want to make it more affordable for first-home buyers. They say that is their stated objective. Okay. Um, can I ask you, Louis, yeah. you have done, as someone that's an economist yeah. and an analyst, you have gone off and done some modelling. Yes. So, by right. the way, guys and girls, press the share video because I hope you realise that what's going on here is Louis Christopher is talking to consumers and to real estate agents on the basis that you rock up and you start speaking to your clients as a trusted advisor, that you've got knowledge, that you're not this commission breath salesperson that just shoots shit out of their mouth, that you actually go off and you listen to people that analyse the property markets and then you form your own opinion. Now, you formed an opinion based on some modelling. Let's go through the various things, Louis, that you think can happen. Yeah, okay. So... Uh, our view is that if Labor do succeed, they put this through, yes, we will see an additional fall in dwelling prices, keeping everything else equal. Right. This is an important thing because there might be some caveats to this where the Reserve Bank steps in and cuts interest rates and so forth. Right. But you're saying falls. if all that doesn't happen yep. and all we're looking at is the government adopts this new negative gearing policy, yep. you believe prices drop? Absolutely, they will. And how we know that, or why we state that this may well be the case, is that we've looked at countries around the world, first world countries around the world, that have negative gearing, and countries that don't have negative gearing, and there's a number of countries in between that have a limited form of it, right? And we've compared the gross rental yield of those countries versus our gross rental yield currently, and, and their comparative cash rate. And in instances where those countries where there is limited negative gearing or no negative gearing, gross rental yields are much higher. Okay? Okay, so, so we're seeing evidence, much higher. We're seeing evidence overseas that properties that do not have this tax concession trade on a higher gross rental yield than what we have here. What is the average capital... What's the yield, the average yield in Australia? So the average yield in Australia, when we consider the, the capital city average, is circa 4%. 
circa, and that takes into account all kinds of property, is it? That's right. So it's a bit higher for units, right. a bit lower for houses. Okay. And what you're saying is, if this policy comes in, yeah. yields are going to have to go up from 4%. Yeah, so we think that yields will go up from 4% up to about 5%. Which means the result is... Well, if you're an investor, you yeah, buy cheaper. And you, you, that means a combination of two factors. So your prices will have to fall to, to create a rise in the acquisition yield and all rents will rise to compensate. The reality is investors will demand to be compensated for the, lack, the loss of uh, the taxation concession. Okay, so what you're saying is if you're an investor and you're going to get smashed there, yeah. you're going to get, you want to get paid in another way. You want to get a return somewhere else. Why would you do, right? Okay. And let's face it, property competes with other asset classes that do trade on a high yield already. So, yes, it is likely investors will demand some type of compensation either in the form of lower prices or a rise in rents to offset the tax concession. Okay, let's look at other possible scenarios that yep. may play out next year. Yeah. Okay, so as we know, Sydney and Melbourne are falling. Yeah. The magnitude of the falls and the fact that these two cities are in sync with the falls is the first time we have seen this in about 30 odd years. The fact that both cities are uh, dropping and at a similar rate. Right. That's right. Okay. Now, these two cities, of course, represent the two largest cities for our economy. So there are ramifications for the economy overall. We've just talked about the big fall in new car sales. If the port falls get steep enough and accelerate from here, I think the Reserve Bank of Australia will become increasingly concerned about the situation and they may well step in the market and cut rates at some point. I'm not saying they will, and I, quite honestly, I've been concerned about the language that's come out of them across this year that you know that they, they regard the falls. They've used the words recently that these are just gradual falls. They're a bit more than gradual. So they're not gradual. They're very no. They're it, it feels to me like they're being a little bit behind the curve in terms of where the market's been. Uh, so there, there may well be a bit of catch up, and they may get to the point where they get quite concerned about the ramifications for the economy. I mean, out of curiosity, Louis, yeah. this this government. Do they actually make decisions on the clearance rate? Because I'm going to touch on the clearance rates that we get yeah. published. Yeah. Does the government, do you think, make up their minds or take into yeah. account clearance rates when they're making decisions? Well, we know the Reserve Bank of Australia does receive other data on option clearance rates. What we don't know, though, for sure, is how much they rely on the so-called preliminary clearance rate versus what the actual final clearance rate is. They get a number of indicators in the marketplace. So... You know, I, I must admit, I've been a bit surprised that they, they, they have been behind the curve on this one. They, 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 they haven't understood how suddenly and how violently yeah. this marketplace has moved. Louis, I'm telling you, yeah. in the marketplaces that I operate, houses have gone down three, four hundred thousand dollars Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I've seen it. Oh, we ran a story in News Limited on Friday, and I, I think perhaps a few of your viewers may well have seen it. Where Let's touch on that story. Yeah, yeah. So we basically did a story on, on distressed listings in and around Sydney and discounted properties. And it was actually... Uh, I, uh, the bulk of the properties were between a one and a half to about five million dollar mark. Right? And, and so we were seeing discounts... So, like, for example, a $4.5 million property basically having 900 k lobbed off it to sell. So you're saying the price bracket yep. that was in this story that yep. you actually had contributed to yep. was the price bracket, $1.5 to $5 million, yep. is the most impacted price bracket. Yeah. 
that seems to be the case. It is. That sounds to me like it's a bloody great opportunity for an upgrader. Well, it is. Yeah, that's right. So, look, you know, I mean, across Sydney, prices are falling, right? Even at the affordable end on our numbers, prices are falling. Uh, but it does appear that it's that bracket between the one and a half to five mil that seems to be hit the hardest. So there is an opportunity in this for potential upgraders. First home buyers, good market? Yeah, potentially, but in this, you've got to be careful, and for any buyer, right? It's, you're buying a property in this market, you've got to be careful you're not catching a falling knife, right? Because we are saying prices will fall further from here. So you've got to be careful. And what this means is that if you're buying, be sure to go and get an independent valuation. Be sure to reflect that the final purchase price um, takes into account a little bit of downside risk. I think that's a fair call. Uh, so look, there is an opportunity to upgrade because pr prices and absolute dollars have come off more for that upper end property, except for the very top end time. So we're seeing prop the properties over 10 million bucks. Uh, look, that seems to be holding. So your trophy assets, they're kind of holding in value for now. So 10 million and over is yeah. holding. Yeah. Now, Louis, let's touch on these clearance rates because yeah. I do follow you on Twitter, yeah. and you have got this obsession about calling it as it is. Yeah. Because, let's be very clear, guys and girls, a clearance rate that appears to be reported in the Sunday media includes uncollectibles, right? Uncollectibles. So maybe in your language, Louis, explain what actually happens. A real estate agent auctions real estate... Yeah. Um, if it doesn't sell, sometimes they don't report it to the data companies. That's right. Then there's a clearance rate that's reported based on what's what they collected, yeah. what sold, what didn't sell. That's right. But what you're saying is that there's a high tendency of properties that are uncollected, that aren't actually sold. Yeah, that's right. They're unreported. So there's two main uh, auction data providers out there. We're not actually one of them. Uh, they are CoreLogic and domain slash APM. So domain slash APM actually are first to report. They, they put out a file each Saturday evening for Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide and Canberra. Um, and I generally tweet out what those numbers are, including unreportants, which they generally don't like to put out there too much. Uh, so we can work out, well, what's the true clearance rate? Uh, and the reality is at this point in time, when it comes to Sydney and Melbourne, uh, 25 to 30% of auctions are unreported on the day. Right. right. So that preliminary clearance rate is effectively only taking into account 75% of the, of the auction market on the day. And what generally happens is that a week later, APM will put out a revised file. Which is lower as With, a clearance rate. Every weekend it is always lower. And, and that just goes to show that a lot of these unreported options are actually failed campaigns. Now, Louis, when you were in your job previously yeah. to SQM, yeah. you said to me off camera, yeah. you had a system, and the system was you would collect the data because if an agent didn't give you the data, you paid university students yeah, that's to right. go out there. So when I was at APM, so I was at APM between 2000 and 2006, so I was initially the, the head of research, and then I became the GM in that last year uh, and uh, during that time I was ultimately responsible for the auction collection exercise and we would have a team of uni students in the office who would be making phone calls, sending out emails, getting the auctions and then on occasion we would send out uni students to the auctions themselves 
for agents who would regularly boycott us, right? Um, and we had to do this because at the time we weren't 100% owned by Fairfax, yet we had this contract with Fairfax, with the Sun Herald and the Age, that we had to get in 90% of the auction results on the day. And if we didn't, we were in breach of our contract. Okay, so, so breach of a contract. Had to get it. They were paying you well. Yep. That's right. right. They were paying you well, so you're running around getting it. Yeah. And um, ninety percent is not the number today, is no, it? No, God. Well, that's right. Well, so the you know the, the number now is coming in around seventy-five percent. Uh, you know, it's a seventy percent. Okay, um, Louis. Um, I want to touch on the subject. Um, so, but, but by the way, yeah. If you if you were like if you had cash available now, yeah. Right and that money was available for you to invest, what would Louis Christopher be doing today? <laughs> Can I ask you? Well, you know, um, I run a business, so I, I, um, I, a I invest a lot into my own business. That's SQM Research, and it's been going well. How, how many people have you got working there? All up, we've got 11. Yeah. So, Louis, I, mean, yeah, I remember that starting, and this is, this is a good story for any business person. I mean, you had a business idea, and you were working in a corporation. Yes, that's right. And you had this idea, I'm going to build this business, yeah. and you just hustled and grinded, and you just worked yeah. in each. Well, the first couple of years, I did it on the side. So I was running a joint venture, actually, in funds management, uh, doing research on managed funds, uh, and I ran SQM on the side to begin with. The GFC hit in 2008, and I went to my employer and I said to him, would you mind if I bring my business into the office and I'll cut down my working hours that uh, I charge you if I can do a little bit of SQM in the office. They agreed, because uh, I wanted to save some money during the GFC. So you, so you reduced your salary with your employer yeah. and you brought SQM into the, into, into the office. Okay, guys and girls, I'm telling you, Anyone out there that wants to build a dream, I've got to say to you, you can't start building your dream while you're working for someone else building their dream, right? If you Absolutely work, you, you can have a side hustle, right? So I'm going to urge every guy or girl out there that's got big dreams, right? Don't go off and say, oh, I'm just quitting my job. I'm going to start this little business. Man, go off there, put in the extra hours at night time. You must have worked your ass off during those early stages. Oh, uh, my word, I did. You know, but I loved it, right? So I picked something that I loved, and that was... You know, covering the property market, covering the housing market, doing property data and doing it right, Tom. I've always been a big believer in transparency of information. And why? Because when I was a real young fellow, I saw some real bad things happen to my grandparents and then I experienced it myself when I bought my first property. So I was very keen to improve the level of property information that was out there. Man, look, I can't get over, like in real estate right now, yeah. I cannot get over the fact that there is no clear, clear data. Oh, it's like, crazy. You know, yeah. if you yeah. want to, hypothetically speaking, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith yeah. that live in, let's call it, they live in Bankstown, and they wake up to decide to sell their home yeah. for the first time in 30 years, right? Yeah. They're going to open up the local paper, they'll see some agents, you know, advertising, they'll go on a realestate.com domain, they'll look at that. But it, 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 how, how does... How does it, to me, there's an unmet need out there in the market where a consumer can turn around and truly work out the effectiveness of an agent. We talked about that off Yeah, there. that's right. I mean, you know, and let's face it, look, there is a lot of conflicting and confusing information out there. There's no question about that. Uh, and, uh, I, yeah, I think we've gone past the peak in terms of quality information, sadly. 
Um, but when it comes to agents, yeah, this is something we're working on now. So we're looking at building an index or a, a, a basically a list of the best performing agents out there. But not best performing agents in terms of how much dollars they make. Like uh, the REV uh, top 100 yeah. is like about, you know, the, the sales That's and right. the so, so you're talking We're, we're about... taking more from a consumer side, right? So, right. okay. Um, what would you how look long at? Does it, well, how long does it take an agent on average to sell property? So days uh, on market? Days on market. How much discounting occurs with that agent? So price it's listed yeah, versus yeah. price sold. So you would know the term buy the listing, right? Buy the listing so over price So those market. agents who buy the listing will get smashed on this type of... Correct, uh, because what they've done is they bullshit it to get the business. That's right. And then there'll be a, a report that will be able to show yeah. that they reduce. So auctions yeah. would be a bit hard, wouldn't it? Yeah, to an extent, but we would also have another measure called the overall sales conversion rate. So listing to total sales. Right? You're, if you want to employ an agent as a consumer, as a seller, surely you'd want someone who's got a high sales conversion rate. They, they've got a track record of moving property. Okay, so I'm just thinking of the KPIs yeah. that would separate an agent. Yeah. Days on market, 100%. Yeah. List to sell ratio. What proportion of your yeah. listings do you list that actually sell? That's right. The third one would be... Price listed versus price sold, sold, where you could type that overpriced it, yeah. bullshit it, yeah. then use this old term, we'll, we'll get them down in price and yeah. crunch them down, which is not what I want real estate gym members to be doing. I want you to win business because you're good at the process and it's the process and not the promise of a price that's going to get owners top dollar and that's what I want people that's to be doing. It. And then finally, uh, you know, has this agent been in trouble? You know, Has this agent been in trouble? You know, so, for example, you can look up the Department of Fair Trade database and things like that. You've got to be careful. I mean, that's based on the number of complaints made about the agent. You know, if an agent's just had one or two complaints, you know, from some crazy people or whatever, sure. But if you see an agent where, like, there's hundreds of complaints, right, they shouldn't make the top agent list, in my view. Right? There's just no. something's not right there, okay? <laughs> you know, so... Um, so we'll look at that as well. So this is something we're building as we speak and we hope to release some results soon. Are you getting, so you, are you collecting that data now? Oh yeah, my word we are. So we, we monitor every listing in the country and we get all the sales coming through too. And you'll sell that to consumers? We might not sell it, we might just put it up there. Right. Yeah. Okay, so Louis, um, out of curiosity, um, you wake up, you go to work each day. Yeah, yeah. What are the sorts of things you do in your, your, your work day? Well, I mean, SQM Research is effectively two businesses in one. So there's a property data business which we've talked about. But we actually rate investment funds of all asset classes. And that doesn't get a lot of media attention. It's not very sexy. Uh, the property, of course, is naturally where there's a lot of topical interest. But I do a lot of work on that front as well. And the, the, the So sorry, you look at asset classes that aren't property as well. Oh my word, we do we look like at equities. equities, we look at uh, we look at equities, we look at fixed income, we look at alternative assets, uh, we look at managed funds, quite a lot of our time we look at managed funds. Uh, and we actually do that for financial advisors. And the link between the property data and the ratings on investment funds is actually financial advisors who actually increasingly need both. They need a rating. Do, 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 do you think most financial? Do you think that most financial advisors yeah. like equities more than real estate? They have historically, right? And I could take a rather sort of cynical view on that because I have been able to earn a commission on real estate, right? Until recently, that's a bit. That, that's a bit of a nasty comment. It's not the case, obviously, with every advisor. 
But the, the, one of the main reasons is because ASIC, our financial advisors have to get a licence with the Australian Securities and Investment Commission. That licence doesn't cover property. Right. Okay, so that's one of the main reasons. They can't formally uh, make a recommendation on, say, a house. So, so, so there has been a yeah. past history where yeah. there's a financial train yeah. trail between an advisor yeah. and equities. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Now, there's been laws that step in to reduce the trailing commissions on financial advisors. So advisors have been looking at other revenue income. Ultimately, the best source would be that the financial advisor charges their client, the investor, and that does happen, but unfortunately not many investors can afford those type of fees. So it's it's a bit of a grey, dirty old area in many respects. Uh, There's many good advisors out there, and like with every industry, including the agent profession, there's some bad apples that ruin it for the rest. Louis, I want to ask you, is this federal policy that Bill Shorten and the Labor government have, is it a concern? It's a concern, yeah. I think it's a concern in terms of when they actually put this in. I, I've been on record to state that overall I'm a believer in taking every gearing away over the long term. But it's the way you execute that. This, this tax has actually been with us since 1936. The tax concession, negative gearing has been with us since 1936. It was brought in initially to get the country, help the country out of the Great Depression. Right? So it's been around for a very long time. This is, this is the, so are we talking about the negative change. gearing? or The, the, neg- cap- the negative gearing. The negative gearing. Yeah. So that's been around since 1936, okay? So um, if you're going to make such a tax change, you've got to do it carefully. And one thing you don't do, Tom, is you don't gear it, do it, you don't do it during a housing downturn. Because, uh, Louis... And that the, doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but the point is, if the Labor government yeah. wants to turn around and say, we need to put this policy in because we want to actually drop housing prices because it's better for the people of Australia, yeah. they've already achieved that. Well, the housing market has fallen. That is correct, right? So, I mean, they're, they're looking for, all right, let's make a long-term change, OK? Now, I am a believer in taxation change. One of the things I believe is, all right... Get rid of negative gearing. Let's get rid of stamp duty as well. I mean, if we want to try and improve housing affordability, okay, when you have such massive stamp duties on there, it's not really conducive to home buyers moving on, is it? Right? Because a home buyer itself has to buy and have to pay a lot of stamp duty. And surely it's better to make the market. Guys and girls, tag Bill Shorten. Tags. I don't know. Can you tag? Can you tag Prime Minister Susan? Tag. He's not the Prime Minister. It's a fucking worry if he becomes one, but that's another story. Tag the group. Go, guys, tag a group. Get rid of stamp duty. Now, that's a good one. Here's another one, right? Because Get sure rid of stamp duty. Great blue in the market. You make a change long term, right? And all we are saying is, okay, be careful in terms of when you execute this. If you do it during a downturn where the economy is a bit vulnerable, I can guarantee now construction is going to get smashed further. Construction... Right, total construction in this country basically equates to 10% of all employment. Now, construction includes mining, it includes infrastructure, but it certainly includes housing. One in 10 people are involved in construction. That's exactly right. So this is how it can feed through to the economy, and that's why we've got to be careful in terms of when we actually execute this change. And I don't believe we should be doing it during a pretty big housing downturn. Okay. Guys and girls, 
Susan, let's tag Louis Christopher. He's been kind enough to come here and give his time and his intel. Let's tag him and get, you know, some traffic uh, and... Um, I mean, not oh, there's quite a few people on my side watching as well. I can see. I, I, I've got a few housing bears that like to follow me because we do call it straight, and uh, I appreciate their feedback as well. And I can see a few on there are, are having a go at my opinion on negative gearing. Fair enough, but look, it's just our view. This is a big change, and you've got to be careful with the timing of it. No one has a monopoly on the truth, but guys and girls, let me tell you, particularly if you're in real estate. Hey, don't spend up too much because I've got to tell you, at the moment, you've heard the man say it, we've seen turnover dramatically reduced. Less turnover equals less commission. Less commission means less money. What do you do to keep going? You either make more sales, you work more effectively, or you also add to that, just reduce some of those ego expenses. And... Um, yeah, interesting that new car sales have been smashed, right? We know who buys new cars, right? It's, agents still love well. Maseratis. They do indeed. So, yeah, we, we, we know agents are hurting out there, that's for sure. All right, Louis Christopher, thank you so much. Guys and girls, hello to everyone. I haven't had a chance to say hello. Do me a favour. We've got to announce a winner, Susan, to the coaching. Yes, his name rhymes with Saver Buyer. It's David Dyer. David Dyer? David Dwyer is the winner of the 30-minute coaching session. I'm so happy for you, David Dwyer. By the way, that's David from Dr. Fred, isn't it? David, I'm happy that you've got it. You won it. We had the award last week. Guys and girls, thank you so much. Press that share button. Vernon, good to see you all. Do me a favour, guys and girls. Press that share button. Tag someone. Because today, you've listened to information that's going to help you sit at a listing presentation and not sit there like this desperate, needy salesperson with commission breath. You're going to sit there and you're going to turn around from a position of strength and say, let's go through all these scenarios. And can I give you a word of advice, guys and girls? Right now, if you've got a vendor, I would be recommending they come onto the market sooner rather than later because they're better being on the market early January, not late January when there's an onslaught of property. After Australia Day, Louis, there's a lot of real estate that comes on the market. You know, the best time to buy is between Christmas and January 26th. I, I find you see some pretty big discounts there because sellers, they failed in their spring sales campaign, right? They're keen to sell. Uh, so buyers, have a look, have a sniff, just be careful, make sure you're taking account the downside risks, but yeah, it's uh, potentially could pick up some bargains between now and the 26th of Jan. Guys and girls, God bless, signing off, see you later. Thanks for tuning in guys and girls, you can join me on Facebook for the live Sunday Night Rant every week at 8.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. And if you're in real estate, just Google Tom Panos and you'll find a heap of resources and interviews where million dollar agents share their strategies. See you next week. Let's have a look at the facts. What's your goal for the next